of year 2007. If I may just add a few notes about our announcements. Our, our speaker for the upcoming retreat is Pastor Dan Jarms from Faith Bible Church of Spokane, Washington. Um, he was a children's pastor at Grace Community for many years, and he's a teaching pastor of Faith Bible Church. We do a lot of uh, work with them, partnering, partnering with them for the gospel here and abroad. In fact, Pastor Marcus and I are heading off to Arkhangelsk, Russia, in a few months to uh, do a institute, uh, teach at an institute there uh, to teach Russian pastors, and that's a partnership with Faith Bible Church and a few other like-minded churches. He'll be teaching from 1 Samuel, and that's a real treat for us. We don't get to study a lot of the Old Testament here at our church. We need to. Um, he'll be coming and teaching us in the life of David and uh, just God's truth revealed through David's life and David's deeds, his words, and I'm, I know that it would be a source of tremendous encouragement to all of you. Look forward to having everyone come out as usual for just a, a bountiful spiritual feast uh, in the Word of God, fellowship together, and worship of God together. And I believe uh, this past Friday night, our youth group went to uh, Mexico for missions and ministry, took five students of our youth students, and we brought five back. They all made it back safe and sound, and uh, look forward to next next week, Huey, you could share with us a little bit, show some pictures, and uh, kind of share with us uh, what our students were up to out there uh, over the border down in Mexico. Praise God for just the youth ministry and just the uh, ministry that was done in Mexico this, um, uh, this past weekend. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just done with Christmas and New Year's and this whole, all these holidays and festivities and activities and events. I am, I am about burnt out, you know, just, I don't know what, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we have four young kids at home. So our, our, our lives are busy as it is. And to add to that, all these re, just responsibilities of just, not burdens, but kind of burdens like gifts, you know, cards and notes and just remembering family and friends and, and everyone here. We love you, but it's, it's very difficult, challenging. And on top of caring for four has been a unique challenge this year. I think usually we do okay, but this year I think we hit the wall and we kind of quit like a few days ago. And we're just barely crawling to the finish line. And I just can't wait till January 2008. Uh, I haven't had too much time to meditate upon 2007. I look forward to doing that maybe this this upcoming week, having some time alone and reflecting on this past year. But in the time that I've ha- I have had, I gotta say, <clears throat> 2007 was a very eventful year for me and for the life of our church. Um, amazing year, filled with experiencing God's grace and in many ways, God has granted to us many joys. In our, in our ministry and service to the Lord. But also, as Mark, Pastor Marcus shared, um, tailor-made uh, trials and difficulties, disappointments came our way to prune us and humble us, bring us low so that we might depend upon Him. As I look back, though, I think we could all agree, every one of us, our hearts are full of thanks for His sovereignty, His providence, his goodness and faithfulness to each and every one of us, to our families, and to our dear church. So as we 
close out 07 and began 08, I decided to preach this sermon because it is a sermon that I need to hear. I felt I could be selfish one Sunday out of the year. And instead of thinking about what would be most beneficial to the members of Cornerstone, I had to consider what would be most beneficial for my own heart, for my own soul, my own walk with God. My wife and I, you know, we used to be big on pillow talk. We used to be, when we're newly married, we used to talk, you know, two, three, four hours, not every night, but almost every night. Just fellowship and talk and just, you know, pray and spend time together. Not that we have four kids, our pillow talk's about 10 seconds, you know. <laughs> How you doing? Good? Good. Let's, let's sleep, right? <laughs> we can't get to sleep fast enough. But last night, we stayed up just a little bit and talked about our upcoming year and what we should be pursuing. Um... What should we, as husband and wife, set our sights on? Uh, I asked my, my wife, what should we strive after? And then both of us agreed. We need to strive after this one thing. We need to, we're somewhat uh, shamed at our um, weakness in this area. We are somewhat uh, humbled and we want to do better in the upcoming year in this one task. The task being abiding in Christ. My wife and I agreed, she and I as followers of Christ must do much better in abiding in Christ. Knowing that everything else flows off from that. We are, certain. my wife and I, maybe for many of you, we are doers. We're type A personalities. We want, we want to, you know, raise, you know, want to put our elbows down and just get down and dirty and get to work and Really do the work before really depending upon Christ. And we resolved in our hearts to make this a family priority for the upcoming year. Maybe make it a theme of our family. And so I, I felt I need to st- study this and teach this from my own heart. And if you are like us uh, and you feel, yeah, I need to grow in that area. I need to focus on my abiding in Christ. Um, that's one area where... Uh, there's much to be improved. Maybe the study will be very helpful for you. This is the principal command given to the apostles um, in the upper room discourse. This is the central commandment given to the apostles by Jesus Christ. It's found in John 15. And though our study will focus on verses 4 through 8, I want to read verses 1 all the way through 8. But our study will be confined to verses 4 through 8. Verse 1, I am the true vine. These are the words of Christ. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, 
thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Look at verse 4. Those three simple words. Abide in me. Means to continue. Dwell. Remain in Christ. It is always referred to the maintenance of fellowship with God in Christ. Daily, moment by moment decision to remain in Him. To follow Him. To be connected to His Word. To be led by the Spirit. To walk according to His Holy Scriptures. We are, by position, we are in Christ. But practically, Christ exhorts and He commands us to abide in Him. To continue in Him. Pastor G. Campbell Morgan said, The word abide calls us to vigilance. Lest at any time, the experimental realization of our union with Christ should be interrupted. To abide in Him then, is to have sustained conscious communion with Him. Have a sustained conscious communion with Him. To practice the nearness of Christ. To practice the reality of the gospel. Martin Luther said once that he felt that Jesus Christ died yesterday. The gospel was that near to him. It was that kind of reality. It wasn't a distant past Christ died. It wasn't a historical fact. To him, Jesus died yesterday. And today he was saved. Hearing the gospel for the very first time. And his heart was inflamed by that realization. That is what it means to abide in Christ. Constant occupation of the heart with Christ. A daily faith, an active faith, which maintains the dependency of the branch upon the vine. It is Christ's command, but also a plea. He commands us, and you could sense His tender plea to us because we are so prone to wander so prone to neglect and not abide in Christ not remain in Him not pursue hard after Him so our Lord gives us tenderly but firmly six incentives six reasons why as Christians we must abide in Him We must abide in Him. The first reason is simple enough. We cannot bear fruit unless we abide in Christ. We cannot bear spiritual fruit apart from abiding in Christ. We know through Scripture, and if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you know through experience that apart from abiding in Christ, there is no true and lasting spiritual fruit. Verse 4 again, The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. 
Neither can you unless you abide in me. A simple illustration. A very practical, very direct, very simple illustration. For a branch, only one thing is necessary for it to produce fruit. Stay connected to the life-giving source of the vine. Without that, the branch immediately turns brown, withers, and it dies. And it is the same with Christians. If you are spiritually withering today, if you are drying out inwardly in your heart, your faith is dying. Only one reason, only one reason is that you're not abiding in Christ. If there is an utter absence of present fruit, and you might have had fruit a while back, but it's all brown and molding and it's on the ground because it's been months since these fruits have been produced. You don't have fruit in your life today. It's only because you're not abiding in Him today. It is an utter impossibility for the Christian for the Christian to sustain his Christian life without faithful, obedient, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. All these um, false ways are poor substitutes and do not bear true fruit. Living in the past, living in your past obediences, living in your past testimony, a lot of Christians, their Christian life is relegated to how they were saved. And for the rest of their lives, it's all about their salvation testimony, not about their current pursuit of Christ. There is no true and lasting fruit produced by being connected to this church or a group of people or some emotions or experiences, rituals and religion. Some think they can sustain their Christian lives and bear fruit by abiding in these things, but we know it is but temporary. These people, the result is not little fruit, but it's no fruit. Absolutely none. Why is that? The second reason. We cannot, not only can we not bear fruit without abiding in Christ, we cannot do anything apart from Christ. We cannot do anything spiritually profitable apart from abiding in Christ. Verse 5. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In the Greek, there are two negatives here. You can do nothing whatsoever. You can do nothing, not at all. It's a full and complete negation of being able to produce fruit. Walter Hendrickson said, that holds not only for the drunkard, the thief, the murderer, the immoral person, but also for the poet, scientist, and philosopher who has not embraced Christ with a living faith. He can do no work that is acceptable before God. Matters not who you are. Matters not your background, your achievements, your knowledge. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing profitable spiritually to God. Dr. John Gill said, nothing that is spiritually good. No, not anything at all. Be it little or great, easy or difficult. You cannot think even one good thought. Speak one good word. 
do one good action. Those words are startling. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's um, shocking because humbly I would have to confess there have been times in my life where I was not abiding in Christ. And in my estimation, I did some good things. I produced some fruit in my life and the life of others. I heard of a pastor who was in sin for 18 months. I mean, heinous, horrible sins. He was disqualified, you know, 18 months ago, right? I mean, he was teaching and shepherding, leading for all that time. But no one knew. People were being blessed by his ministry, blessed by his instruction, by his outward deeds. He was not, it was obviously not abiding in Christ. But from everyone's opinions, he was producing fruit. How would we understand this? Christ says you can do nothing. And what we experience personally and with others. Maybe you're that way today. You'll say, yeah, I know I'm not abiding in Christ. And I don't know. If I'm really walking with Christ, if I'm obeying Him, my heart's tender to His words, if I'm meditating upon His truth, whether I'm quick to obey, whether I'm sensitive to sin, whether I'm in private prayer, I know I'm not doing these things, but wow, people are encouraged by me. My family's doing well. It seems like things are going well. Either the Bible is not true or our experience is not true. All the God be true, every man a liar. I think we find the answer in Isaiah 64, 6, where it reads, All our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. All our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. So the prophet Isaiah says, Our righteous deeds, from our perspective, they look like righteous deeds. But in God's perspective, they are filthy, filthy rags. And the Hebrew I mean, this is the original Hebrew. I'm not being profane. I'm not being vulgar. It's menstrual rags. That's in the Hebrew. That's how detestable, that's how gross and disgusting was the sight of God. When we do works apart from God and we prop ourselves as righteous, God sees them as filthy rags. Same as Christians. When we do deeds apart from dependence upon Christ. And from our perspective, they look like righteous deeds. They look like good fruit. But in the sight of God, not good fruit. In fact, it's bad fruit. Because it dishonors Him, undermines the Gospel, undermines His Word, undermines our need for Him. We're saying, we can do good things without Christ, without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Scriptures. A shocking statement that reveals to us the reality that whatever we do, apart from abiding in Christ, to God, it is nothing. It is nothing. We might give applause to one another. We might pat each other on the back and 
good going brother, good going sister, but in the sight of God, they're absolutely nothing. Not only that, if a man persists in not abiding in Christ, there is a persistent um, lack of abiding in Christ. We are destroyed. He is destroyed. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Note the five elements of punishment to the man who rejects Christ. It's a continual rejection of Christ. It's hypocritical abiding in Christ externally, but spiritually, inwardly, there is no abiding in Christ. He is thrown away like a branch. He is evaluated and cast off. He is already condemned. The second element, he withers, he dries up. He has external semblance of life because of his nearness to the living branches. But now that he is separated, he is cast out from the living branches, separated from any means of life and grace, he immediately withers. The unforgettable example of Judas comes to mind. The branches are gathered together, bundled together with other dead branches. Fourth, they're thrown into the fire and they are burned. They are burned. Matthew seven nineteen. every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. We spoke of this last week. It's not... Our confession that saves us. It's not praying of the prayer that saves us. It's the fruit that reveals the root. And a lack of fruit, utter lack of fruit reveals that there is no relationship with Christ. Christ never knew you. And only one end awaits you. And that has to be cast off, separated from God forever to the fire and to be burned. That's the future revealed to us in Revelation 20:15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I mean, what powerful, strong, impactful incentives for us to abide in Christ. We cannot bear fruit unless we abide in Christ. We cannot do anything apart from abiding in Christ. Not only that, apart from Christ, we are destroyed. And then the fourth incentive, if we abide in Him, goes to the positive. If we abide, instead of not abiding in Him, if we do, our prayers will be answered. Our prayers for fruit will be answered. John fifteen seven. if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Ask the desires of your heart and it will be done for you. Answered prayer is a reward for righteous living and for faithfully abiding in Christ. We learn from this verse that when we keep the commandments of Christ, when we live by faith in Him, when His words are a guide, 
light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. This verse teaches us that our prayers will be heard and answered. When we are obeying Him, He delights to hear us and answer our prayers. I think parents understand this. Right? Our, our two daughters, Elizabeth and Emma, sleep together. And when one wakes up, the other wakes up, the other one wakes up, the other one, and they get out of their rooms uh, and come to our bed. And uh, these girls, you know, they sleep late and wake up early. I don't know. They didn't get that from me or my or mom, but they got it from someone where they wake up really early in the morning. And so they wake up, and uh, first thing Elizabeth asks is, can we have some snacks? Right. Can we have some food? Please feed us. The children are hungry. Right. Elizabeth at least asks. Emma doesn't even ask. She just goes to my desk and just goes through my stuff and whatever dark chocolate candies are lying around, she helps herself. and She goes downstairs and starts climb, climbing the cabinets and she's going to be cooking for herself, right? Like some rice and spam in a few short years. <laughs> so throughout the day, our children ask for snacks, ask for food. And so as parents, if they're obeying mom and dad, if they're doing good, if they're faithful, loyal to us, and they ask for snacks, then we bring out the good stuff, right? High-quality snacks for them, right? But if they've been disobedient, unruly, incorrigible, just, just not, not faithful to their parents' hearts, and they ask for snacks, either we give them low-quality stuff, right? Or we give them no snacks at all. We don't want to reward poor behavior. I want to give them snacks where they're not loving mom and dad and faithful to, that, to us. But if and when they are, my heart is with them. They want snacks, give them double portion. Well, likewise with God. If you're abiding in Christ, He commands us, ask. Ask whatever you will. Because what you will will be in line with God's will. If we're not abiding in Him, what we desire will be sinful things, fleshly things, right? earthly, temporal things. The desires that are fed by our discontentment, our ingratitude, our, our worldliness. And so how much more will God not answer such requests? But if we're abiding in Him, our desire will be for God's glory, will be for the right things. For the things that truly glorify God and satisfy our true need. How much more will God answer us for abiding in Him? Thus, He commands us. Instead of not abiding, if you do abide, ask and I will answer. What a strong incentive. And then the fifth one. If we abide in Him, we bear much fruit. <clears throat> he promises that. And our fruitfulness glorifies our God the Father. So another positive incentive. If we abide in Him, He promises us we will be fruitful. And this fruitfulness will glorify God. John fifteen eight. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit.
God is glorified when we bear much fruit. This happens by abiding in Him. How does our fruitfulness glorify God? It confirms the gospel. It shows to us and to the world the power of the gospel. That grace of the gospel can overcome the evil propensities of our hearts. Transform our inner being. Conform us to the image of Christ. And cause us to bear spiritual fruit. Philippians 1.11 May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. When we produce fruits of righteousness results in the glory of God. Revelation of God's beauty. It results in the praise of God. The greatest praise we can produce is by bearing fruit. Because it shows that the gospel is true. That the word of God is powerful. It saves us positionally. And it transforms us practically. Not only that, finally, if we abide in Christ... Our fruitfulness gives evidence that we are true followers of Christ. The final incentive for us to bear much fruit. First three are negative, last three are positive. If we abide in Him, if we would just abide in Christ, if we would just be in the Word, if we would just preach the gospel to ourselves every day, if we would just immerse ourselves in communion with Christ through prayer, He will answer our prayers, our Father be glorified, and our fruitfulness result in confirming that we are true Christians. Again, fruit reveals the root. Your fruit, my fruit reveals what kind of tree we are. If a believer produces much fruit, the result is true assurance of salvation. A growing confidence that one is a follower of Christ, a true Christian. But if there is a lack of spiritual fruit in your life, then your confidence in your salvation is unwarranted. You're going against the evidence that is clearly seen in your life. Luke 7 17 through 20. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased, bad tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree, a bad tree, bear good fruit. Every tree that that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Here, the final incentive given to us by Christ in John 15, it's not negative, but it's positive. That God's gospel and God's word is more powerful than sin in our flesh. If anyone, and that means you, if anyone abides in Christ, you will be fruitful. And it will confirm to you that you are a true follower of Christ. I experienced that early on in my Christian life. I shared this with a great amount of embarrassment and personal shame. 
I am not in any way endorsing, you know, my sinful habits. But the greatest stumbling block for me to follow Christ was quitting smoking. I mean, I was a slave to cigarettes. I was able to cut out a lot of things in my life, but that sin snared me, and I tried to quit so many times, and I couldn't. And I thought, well, God can save other people, but He just can't save me. I remember thinking those thoughts. God can show grace and work, produce fruit in others, but with me, I'm just a loser. I'm messed up. It just doesn't work with me. And so I quit so many times. But by God's grace, instead of focusing on smoking, right, I focused on abiding in Christ. I focused on reading the book of Job, right? So that's how my young Christian mind, like 19 years old, Job's suffering was equal to mine. Right? What I have to give up was like Job. So I'm going to read Job and just kind of read the book of Job, drank a lot of water, and he produced in me fruit of self-control, of changing my heart, where my love for Christ was greater than my addiction nicotine and that was my first insight into wow maybe i am a christian could it be i'm a believer because this confirms to me that i'm a follower of christ apart from this i couldn't have confidence that i was a christian but this quitting of my habit wasn't what i did it was what god did in my life as i remained in him as I pursued Him, as I followed Him. Likewise for you, this is the positive incentive. Take your eyes off of your sins, eyes off of yourselves. Focus on abiding in Christ. And He promises you're not, you know, a special trouble case. You're not like, you know... Big lots kind of person, right? Like low, low quality Christian where God can't produce fruit in your life. He promises if you will abide in Christ, He will prove Himself to you by producing fruit, incredible fruit in your life to your, to your own amazement, which will confirm to you and to others that your profession of faith is indeed true. So, five closing thoughts to close out our time. Last Sunday of 2007, five attitudes for us to adopt in light of Christ's command to abide in Him. In light of the, the truth that apart from Him we can do nothing. Let's adopt these five attitudes all together and begin 2008. Five attitudes to adopt. First of all, let's emphasize abiding and not producing Let's focus on faithfulness and not the results. Let's understand that the process is vital and significant and results, especially immediate results, are largely unimportant. And we appreciate the agrarian illustration that Christ employs here in John 15. He does not use microwave popcorn. Right? If you abide in me, then in two minutes you'll have popcorn. If that was the analogy... It'd be kind of absurd. <laughs> Secondly, we, 
we would expect immediate popcorn. I prayed for two minutes. I read five verses. Where's my popcorn? Right. But because the analogy is fruit, and I know we live in Southern California, and we usually don't see fruit growing on things. We see them on, at bonds or Ralphs and all ready to eat. But if we were to venture out to the farms, we will see that it takes more than a few minutes for fruit to be produced. It takes months right, for fruit to be produced. We've got a pear tree in our backyard. We've got a whole tree. It came with the house, right? And once a year, it produces one pear, <laughs> right? One pear. And this year, we took that out and we ate it. Wasn't that good? All that for one pear. But, I mean, it took a whole year to produce that one fruit. Right? It takes a while. And that's the analogy employed by Christ. For us, therefore, we must focus on just the process. Our responsibility of abiding, producing fruit. It might take a month, a year, 10 years, 50 years. Maybe in a certain area of your life, you'll walk with a limb for the rest of your life. It'll always be a weakness for you, a sore spot, always a place for temptation and struggle. And that's how God will... God used that to humble you and humble me so it will depend upon Him all the more. But being content in Him, our focus should be on abiding in Him, not being looking at the fruit and being discouraged by it or even boasting of it. Second illustration is understand that God is glorified by the amount of fruit and how we produce fruit. Verse 8, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So, if we're content with, wow, I'm doing well, I'm I'm satisfied, I've got, you know, a box full of fruit here, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. God is glorified, and God desires for you and I to bear much fruit. But how do we bear fruit? That's important. And that's by abiding in Christ. Abiding in Him. Right? I don't want to belabor that point. Third attitude to adopt is we need to all the more boast of our sinfulness, weakness, and inadequacy. Boast of our sinfulness, weakness, and inadequacy. At the same time, Knowledge God is able to override our frailties to bear fruit in our lives. We must do both. Acknowledge that we are not bearing fruit because of our good deeds. Our bearing fruit is not because we are abiding in Him. Our bearing fruit is because we trust in Him. It's by faith. It's not by works. But because we believe, we do the work of abiding in Christ. Does that make sense? We don't bear fruit because of our works. We bear fruit because of the gospel and our faith in the gospel. But because we believe, we put our time in the word. We devote ourselves to prayer. We devote ourselves to the means of grace that God has given to us for us to grow in our Christian lives. So all the while, we acknowledge our frailties, our weaknesses, our shortcomings. Fourth 
tied to that. We give credit to Christ alone for all our good deeds. Give glory to Christ alone for all our good deeds. So anything good in our lives, we don't take credit. We don't let the the little Pope in our hearts to kind of have his egos lifted and boast in our hearts of our own righteousness. No, we squash that little Pope and we give all glory to God. If there's anything good, if I've done anything right, if there's any spiritual fruit in my life, it's all because of Christ and his cross. And then finally, acknowledge, freely acknowledge that if, they, if we are failing to bear fruit, there's a lack of growth, lack of maturity in our lives, we confess. It's not because the Bible is not true. It's not because the gospel is not powerful. We speak the truth. We confess freely, frequently, repeatedly to ourselves and to one another. The reason for my plateauing as a Christian, maybe regressing as a Christian, is because I am involved in a lot of Christian activities. But I am simply not abiding in Him. That is why the influence of my sin in my flesh is growing. The influence of the Word of God is lessening. It's not because of God. It's fully because of me. May we adopt these attitudes as we close out 2007 and as we begin 2008. Each of us, we need, may God give us grace to abide in Him so that each of us will bear much fruit that God might be glorified in each of our lives and together as we gather together that God be glorified in our midst. Let's pray. We learned a few weeks ago um, the means of grace of intercessory prayer. How praying for others is a way to get our eyes away from ourselves and receive God's grace by petitioning before God on behalf of someone else. So let's, we don't do this often, let's pray a selfless prayer. Pray for the person seated next to you, to your left and to your right. Let's pray that 2008, that they do one thing, that they would abide in Christ. That they would adopt these attitudes of focusing on um, remaining, trusting, believing, following Christ with all their heart, soul, and mind. Let's pray for them out of love for Christ, out of love for their souls. Let's pray for the brother or sister that's seated next to us. Father, we thank you for the grace of your word. Thank you for your promises. We thank you for your truths. Lord, they are light to our eyes. Lord, they are strength to our hearts. Lord, we 
invigorate our faith, enabling us to cast aside all the entangling sins and without hindrance pursue after you by faith. Lord, we thank you for these simple commands you've given to us to abide in you, to remain in you, to trust in you, to continue to believe and apply our faith to your promises, to be in the word, to be walking in the spirit. Lord, we confess that we have been distracted by many things, even uh, Christian things, even religious things. Lord, help us to bring you back to the center. Help us to have our vision be clear, to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And we pray that we would close out 07 and begin the next year with uh, clear convictions in our hearts, clear uh, truths of God in our hearts that will direct and lead us for the following year. Lord, we uh, praise you for providing all that we need for life and godliness. Help us, O Lord. Grant us grace to run in your commands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.